0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the star of Lansky, Harvey Keitel.
1: Mr. Lansky, is there such a thing as organized crime? I have no knowledge on the subject. Mr. Lansky, it's a pleasure. Why does David Stone want to write a book about me? Maybe I like stories about complicated people. Anything I choose to tell you is off the record till I give you permission to put it in the book. Any conversations you have about me, I want to know. Betray me, and there will be consequences. I don't have the power to change my past. I do have the power to change the perception of it. I built my business from the ground up. You we'll don't choose sides. We choose opportunities. Make him feel it, Benny. No. They still consider you part of the underworld. We weren't the underworld. We were the overworld. Lansky has $300 million squirreled away, and we want your help finding it. Now, we could let it slip to Mr. Lansky that you've been sharing his secrets. That's not going to go well for you. There are people in this world who will try to make you believe that they are better than you. Rage is a tool we use to prove them wrong. I don't question the choices I make.
0: We've got a paper trail of laundered money going in and out of Geneva.
1: you lose your character, you lose everything. Remember that. Never let your emotions dictate your actions. I'm an angel. The dirty face. You can tell what you tell yourself so you can sleep at night. I don't have to tell myself anything when I go to sleep at night.
0: It's the way we live. It's business. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I wanted to say uh, up front that. I consider you to be a legend in this business, and I grew up watching uh, a ton of your movies. So this is a real pleasure for me. Well, glad you enjoyed them. Absolutely. I want to first start off by uh, talking about uh, Lansky. You've been known for playing a number of morally ambiguous tough guys over the years. Uh, what is it about these characters, and specifically uh, Meyer Lansky, that keeps you coming back to uh, the crime genre?
2: Well. I think when you say morally ambiguous, um, that's what keeps me coming back. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, uh, certainly it's a genre, a gangster genre. But within that genre, there are many, many, many um, different selves uh, and, uh, and types of people at, at work. Uh, Lansky fascinated me because he was such a bright fellow he was an immigrant uh, as a young boy to the Lower East Side of Manhattan where the immigrants first arrived, uh, where my mother and father first arrived, and uh, he came into poverty. I lived in Williamsburg then, and he lived kind of close to me, I guess, mm. on, on the Lower East Side. Um, I lived right near the elevated train, and funny, recently... Uh, I was driving by there and and I noticed I was brought up on a street called Hooper Street and mm-hmm. Broadway. Uh, Broadway runs right underneath the elevator train. Yep. I said, my God, owning a truck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have a huge immigration crisis going on now. I don't have to, t- I don't have to tell you about mm-hmm. that. What interests me is growing up as a person, how I I'm growing up as a person, how I began and on and on and on until this moment, you and I are before each other. Yeah. And um, my parents were very poor in Europe. Uh, Maya was very poor in Europe. It comes to the Lower East Side with no education, no money, the way many immigrants are coming to America now and the way many uh, people live in America now with poor and no educations, and um, uh, it's interesting to me that the, one of the uh, bills in the president's presentation to Congress now, uh, the um, free community college has been taken out of his plan. Mm. And um, everybody wanted that part in, but he had to get, take it out because, it's, because the Republicans are not uh, you know, on yeah. board with him. And um, it makes me think that um, we have such a powerful um, leadership in robotics in America that there should be room for other people coming into our country. And the powerful robotic leadership is called the Republican Party. Yeah.
0: Oh, you don't like that one? <laughs>
2: yeah, no. I would think you take some responsibility.
0: No, um, I, I hear you on yeah. that totally. And it's something that uh, I feel like we can do through our art is try to exhibit yes. some form of yes. change. Yes.
2: Yes. Now uh, you're with me. Exactly. I read uh, somewhere recently, there's a wonderful book by a woman named uh, Lewis Lewis. Uh, I forget her first name now, but she's a, an assistant professor at Harvard. And she wrote, she wrote a wonderful book called The Rise, it's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. and. Um, In it, she quotes Aristotle uh, in a passage that says, argumentation is not enough to make a man good.
1: Hmm.
2: That it takes education. It takes communication. And without education in America, uh, keeping people so impoverished and out of the mainstream of what America is supposed to be, is only going to continue uh, the ignorance that Aristotle was getting at there. Argumentation is not going to change anybody. It's the arts, the arts, the aesthetic force of the arts.
0: Interesting, Um, because would you say at this stage in your career um, that that is what excites you most when you bring on a new project, is how a story might get someone to think about things differently? Or is it as simple as working with people you've never had the chance to work with before.
2: I can stop you there. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing you said ever since I was a young actor. Yeah. What I just missed most was learning more about who I was, how, how to live my life, mm-hmm. what was important at all about life, what it is I didn't see, what didn't I know about. And I always tried to choose my roles according to that uh, prerogative I had. And um, uh, I think the arts is the only way we can expect change to occur in the world, on the world scene.
0: Yeah. And uh,
2: that's why, frankly, I do these interviews, mm-hmm. go to these uh, uh, film festivals. I think it's so important. The audience is the most important. Uh, and the performers, of course, themselves are important. That we share our stories and I think uh, Aristotle's words are well-spoken through those stories that we come to know ourselves and each other and, and, and can form a, a more perfect union.
0: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com/listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. You were mentioning before about, you know, doing these interviews, going to film festivals. You've been doing this for a number of decades at this point. Uh, since you started working in the 60s, what for you Has been the biggest change that you've noticed in the film industry?
2: Well, you know, I was brought up in New York, Mm -hmm. same here, Brooklyn. I had my training in New York. The people I met uh, were all from New York—New York actors, New York directors, and artists, and dancers, and singers, and musicians. And um, I find there's something a little missing in the arts today. Uh, Of course, we have our great. Artists, but we could use more of them. And I think this lack of education, this lack of, for instance, canceling out the president's effort for free education, free uh, community college education for people, is just a crime in and of itself. So, if we're so if we're talking about crime, who are the criminals today? Uh, I, I don't mean to say that Mylansky was not a criminal, but also he was a father who loved his family, loved his son, who was uh, challenged and uh, and uh, fortunately uh, died, challenged, ill person. And with um, his intelligence, my God, had he had a, an education, who knows what he could have become. And Luciano, whom he met, who knows that if they had a chance at education, what they would have become. Mm-hmm. I can say that about plenty of people whom I grew up with in my own neighborhood that were sort of leaning on on the mob side of things, you might say, that educations. And they were bright, bright guys, bright people, bright men and women. And all uh, that life, in a sense, they didn't have the opportunity to have life open to them. Hmm. That sounds a bit uh, wispy, but.
0: <laughs> no, 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 not at all, because I think that is still prevalent today where parents are trying to keep their kids off the streets and keep them in schools. So I, I, yeah. I totally understand what you're saying here. And I think that that is also something that is commonly expressed in other stories that are being presented today. So, the message is still, uh, the message is still there. I was one of
2: those kids. Yeah. I was thrown out of uh, high school, uh, joined, joined the Marines at 17, 16 really, but you couldn't go in until you were 17. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had no education. I didn't know the importance of it. Uh, my family were immigrants. They had no education. They didn't realize, well, they did realize the importance of it, but they couldn't convey it really well. I got lucky. I got lucky because I got into the theater. I met somebody who uh, invited me to come and see about the theater. I went with that person. That person left. I stayed and I began to study the theater and, and read books and meet people. That had college educations and uh, very good educations and were interested in, in, in life in a very meaningful way. And um, it was from them, through them, and studying the theater in Brook in Manhattan, that I was educated, and 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 went went on to become a reader and uh, and uh, get involved in the theater, become a member of the Actors Studio, and
0: and and my career followed. And you, you've had a wonderful career. You've given us so many great characters and performances. I'm curious to know if there is a Mount Rushmore of four performances that you're most proud of in your career.
2: <laughs> that that that's funny when you mention Mount Rushmore. I was thinking of four girls. <laughs> <laughs> I I I really don't know that I can speak of myself that way.
1: Okay. Um,
0: that's fair.
2: I I could say that there are so many films. I was lucky to meet so many talented women and men directors that, that, that I, I just consider myself really lucky. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from them. And uh, those people that I was around and uh, well, you've seen the work and you know, the people that I've been around.
0: Yeah, totally. I yeah. mean, yeah. And, uh, uh, you have Scorsese, Ridley Scott, Jane Campion, Tarantino, Wes Anderson. Is there Any one of them that if they were to call you right now. Jane
2: Campion. Jane Campion. uh, (laughs) Lena Vergnmuller. Paolo Sorrentino. um, Abel Ferrara.
0: Have you seen like Jane Campion and Paolo Sorrentino's new films this year yet?
2: Uh, No. Jane invited me uh, and my wife to come see her film when she comes here with it, I think, in November.
0: I think you're going to really enjoy it a lot. It reminded me a lot of uh, the great work that you guys did together on the piano, especially.
2: Yeah, she's she's great to me. She's she's one of those special people, you know.
0: know. Um, Is there anything at this point in your career that you feel that you have left to accomplish? Or do you feel that you've done everything that you set out to do when you started all those years ago?
2: Well, I can answer that question this way. I know I'm different now than the way my life started out. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder about at the end of life whether it's possible to feel... You've done everything and uh, are fulfilled. I, I am fulfilled in many ways by the um, generous people I've met that approach me and talk to me about the way they feel about the work I've been involved in. So I feel, um, I feel I've feel uh, i been part of guiding them toward that or away from that early life I had.
0: Mm-hmm. And... You know, you're not taking extended breaks. You're not slowing down. You've always continued working. So I have to ask the question, um, what is next? Is it another project with one of those directors I mentioned earlier? Or are you able to tell us uh, what's next for Harvey Keitel? Well, yeah,
2: I, I, I'm able to tell you I'm working right now on a film that um, uh, Greg Gillespie is directing. Oh,
0: he's very Mike, great.
2: Yeah, about Mike Tyson's life.
0: Oh, that's phenomenal.
2: It's going to be an episodic TV piece.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, I read about that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's a wonderful script. And um, and this picture I had a great pleasure doing uh, that Anton uh, Rockaway wrote and directed, Lansky. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a film that has not got much of a release in the States because it came out during the pandemic. Um, that Boczlov Marvel directed called The Painted Bird.
0: I saw that, yeah. Oh, you saw it? I did, yes.
2: Oh, oh. and uh, and, uh, I hope to keep busy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, completely. And I know that... We're always anticipating what it is you're going to bring to the screen next, uh, whether it's a voiceover performance or if it's uh, reuniting you with uh, even someone like Scorsese, whatever it is that you do, we're always excited for you. And I'm very, very happy to hear that you're also feeling that fulfillment at this stage in your career as well. Um, It has been as I mentioned at the top here, it has been such a pleasure getting a chance to chat with you today about Lansky and also your career. And I thank you, sir, for your time.
2: Well, I like the way you speak. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. You have a great rest of your day. And you as well. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Harvey Keitel here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Lansky is currently available to rent on video on demand